the decisions you make when things are going wrong are what are going to define the race going right for you. Um, because it's all too easy when things are just going, you know, all the shit, you know, to say, this is it, I'm done. You know, I have this checkpoint here, I can take my bib off and I can call it quits. But if you've got time left on the clock and you still have a body that's, you know, that's able to move, then you just, you suck it up, you know, wipe away those tears or keep crying, but keep moving and, and work your way through it because the rewards are so great at the finish. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking with ultramarathon runner, running coach, shoe expert, wife and mom, Andrea Coyman. She's sharing her tips on how to fit marathon training and even ultramarathon training into a busy schedule. Plus, we talk about her big, scary dream of running a legendary race that's so hard, no one finished this year. The one thing she has to have when she's running and more. I love realistic tips and she's super motivating. So you can learn something no matter where you are in your journey. In case you're new here, my name is Monica, and I started Running Repeat over nine years ago to talk about training for my first full marathon and weight loss struggles. I fell in love with running and was sharing my story, so the site grew into an amazing community, and now it's also this show. Check out runningrepeat.com for training tips, recipes, and random life updates. I am happy you're here. Thanks for listening. And now let's get into the warm-up. So I mentioned last week that I was going to be taking a chopping class. Specifically, it's called a knife skills class. And I took it at Sur La Table. And I have a feeling that there is a French way to say that. But I'm Mexican. So I'm going to say it the Mexican way. Um, Not that I'm actually doing that. But I have a feeling I'm pronouncing this wrong. And I'm just letting you know to inform me so I can do better next time, but it is what it is. I took the knife skills class at Sur La Table at South Coast Plaza. It is, I was about to say the world's fanciest mall. I don't know if it's the world's fanciest mall, but it is an extremely fancy mall in Orange County that doesn't even have a food court. I remember someone pointing that out to me. I read that somewhere that there's not like when you call something a mall, you think that there's going to be a Cinnabon, Wetzel's Pretzels, Sbarro, Panda Express, right? Like let's hook it up with some food that's basically like fair food, like deep fried stuff that smells amazing. No, they don't have that here. What they do have is Sur La Table and all those other super fancy designer stores that I feel uncomfortable even going in. I used to work very close to South Coast Plaza. I think it's in Costa Mesa, Santa Ana. Anyways, this is all in Southern California, everything I'm talking about. The moral of the story is this is a high-end, if you're not familiar, kitchenware store that they have cooking stuff. They also have dining stuff. They don't categorize it as stuff, but I do. And the class was in the back of the store. They also have cooking classes. And I, A, managed to not chop off 
any of my fingers or toes because I didn't think about this until I was en route to the class. I was like, I bet you're supposed to wear closed toed shoes. And I remembered enough to bring a rubber band, which I never call a hair tie, by the way. I don't get that. I always have a rubber band or a clip, like a claw clip. I have several of them because I have a lot of hair. But I knew I was going to have to put my hair up. And then in route, I was like, I bet I should be wearing closed toed shoes. It was too late then. And I was a little afraid they were going to kick me out of class. No. But the instructor, who was awesome, a fancy chef, said that if you are ever dropping a knife to back away from it, one of the most common causes of an accident that can happen Because you think of, like I said, chopping my finger off that I'm going to chop it off as I'm trying to be fancy chopping, I don't know, some sort of vegetable. But he pointed out that it's also potentially a danger if you're ever dropping a knife or your knife falls off the table, don't go to grab it. You back away from it, hands up, back away. And then he pointed out that this is also why you would want closed-toed shoes because knives can fall on your feet. And these are very sharp knives. We also learned how to sharpen a knife. And oh my gosh, so much stuff. I was so fired up after this class. I really thought I want to go to culinary school now. I I think I want to be a chef and not like a professional one, not at a restaurant, but at home. And so I could take my recipe development up a notch. I think I'm going to explore this. Maybe what I'll do is just take another cooking class as a little baby step to this new dream that I have. (laughs) But I'm just letting you know, heads up, I suddenly want to go to culinary school and or maybe just eat at some sort of fancy Michelin starred restaurant that I hear them talk about on Below Deck, the reality show that I watch sometimes where they talk about fancy things. And or as an alternative, I kind of was thinking, maybe I want to do like that thing that, do you remember? This is a long time ago. This is because I just looked it up because I was so inspired. There was a movie that came out in 2009. Like, hello, this is so long ago. This is like college style timing for some of us anyway. Uh, Maybe it's high school style for you, junior high. Maybe you weren't birthed yet. Julie and Julia, I think is what it was called. Yes. And it was a movie in 2009 with Meryl Streep and Amy Adams, where Amy Adams is a blogger. Ever heard of it? And she decides because she's at this like crossroads of her life, which I kind of feel like I am. This is suddenly uh, this is a therapy session for me right now. So I appreciate you letting me process this with you. But she decided to make all of Julia Child's recipes from this crazy cookbook that she did called the Mastering the Art of French Cooking. And if you don't know, Julia Child was this, like, I feel like she was the first TV Food Network chef before Food Network was a thing. I don't know what channel she was on. I don't know if this was like a local cable access or whatever. But the point is, Julia Child was the first Rachel Ray, Giada, I don't know who is the 
most popular Food Network person. But she put together this cookbook that is crazy, like so many recipes. It's called The Mastering the Art of French Cooking. And most of the recipes in a lot of cookbooks now are, you know, 10 ingredients or less. These seem to be because, and this is going full circle. They had that book. This is why it popped in my head movies. They had the book at Sir Le Table, which Julia Child, who is no longer with us, might be turning over in her grave if I'm pronouncing all of this wrong. Uh, And that's what reminded me, maybe I should do some sort of endeavor like that. Like, I'm not going to exactly copy her and buy the book and make all of these French recipes, but maybe I should master the art of some other sort of cooking. So I have to explore what I'm going to do to challenge myself now that I am super inspired and just want to learn more because I want to be able to make amazing recipes that are good for you, but also potentially not super, super challenging because I know that we have a lot going on and we is not me, but you, and I'm here. Help me help you. Moving on really quickly. The next way I could help you is if you need a half marathon training plan, I have a new one up on the site right now. This one is a 10 week plan. I mentioned stretching and strength training on the cross training days so that you can incorporate that in on set days. Uh, But yeah, check it out. And it's about 10 weeks long. So if you are to start it immediately, it could get you ready for one of the Lexus lace-up races, which I have a discount code for RER10. Also, Rock and Roll LA, Rock and Roll Vegas, the Rebel races, ton of races. This is, I feel like fall is one of the most popular, if not the most popular racing season. So if you have a goal to run a race before the end of this year, get on it and yeah, go for it. Register and start training. I'll put a link in the show notes to the race discounts that I have because I have a bunch of them. Let me know if you're running any of these races or if you have a question on any of the races that I have discount codes for because I've actually... At least all the ones I mentioned, the Rock and Roll LA, Vegas, and all of the lace-up races I have run before. So I can give you some insight on those. And now let's get into the main event. Today I'm talking to Andrea Coyman. She's an ultramarathon runner, running coach, and running gear expert. She balances marathon training, work, family, and more, and makes it look easy. A while back, I saw on her Instagram that she ran the Barkley Fall Classic, and I had to reach out because I've seen the Barkley Marathons documentary and became kind of obsessed with it. So I wanted to know all about her experience. And for those that don't know, the Barkley Marathons is a 100-mile ultramarathon race in Tennessee, usually in March or April. It's on a very challenging trails course with time limits and checkpoints. Registration is top secret. Basically, the race director handpicks the 40 runners that he is inviting to do it each year. And the race has a very strict set of rules. You can't have a GPS watch. There's no set start time. You just have to be ready anytime the day of the race. In addition to running, competitors have to find books along the course and you have to rip out the page of the book that corresponds with your race number. And then after you finish the loop, and it's about a 20-mile loop, I think, 
then you get a new race number for the next go around. You have to find the book again, rip out that page number. Those are kind of like checkpoints because this isn't a chip timed course. All of that. And it is a trail race on what is, I mean, I have heard it called the hardest race, the hardest trail race uh, that a lot of very experienced runners have ever attempted. So it's legendary. This year, just to show you how hard it is, no one finished. None of these people who are very strong, very, you know, well-trained runners, no one finished. That is intense. And so the Barkley Fall Classic is a 50K that is on the same loop, but it's a marked course with aid stations. You can register online. Um, There's a set start time. Think of that, which is really important for fueling. Um, And like I said, it's a 50K. So it is for those that don't know the metric system like me, it's a little under 32 miles. And I'll put a link to the documentary if you're interested, because I thought it was really good. Uh, But I talked to her about that, her race experience at the Fall Classic, but so much more. She has a very jam-packed life and is managing to run very strong and travel for a lot of these awesome races as well. And she's doing it, it seems... She makes it look very easy. I know it's not, but I'll put a link as well to her Instagram because it just looks all the time like she is having a blast and it's awesome. It's very, very motivating. So hopefully this will be infotaining to you. Now, I know you just got back from an ultra marathon. The pictures look gorgeous. It looked like it was a lot of travel and a lot of miles definitely seemed like you were on the other side of the world somewhere in the Alps. Um, What race did you just do? Tell us about your latest adventure. I ran UTMB, which is Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. And it starts in Chamonix, France. And we run into the Alps. So we run through three different countries. We're running in the French, Italian, and Swiss Alps. And it starts and ends in Chamonix. And it's just incredible. What's the distance of that race? The race um, is 106, 107 miles. It's 170 kilometers. Um, And it's a lot of altitude um, and then a lot of, you know, ascending and descending. It seems like you're just either running up or running down. There's not a whole lot that's rolling. Um, So it's it's a challenging race, but the views make it completely uh, worth it. It's just incredibly beautiful. Awesome. And so how do you train for something like that, given the terrain <laughs> and altitude and all of that? Um, you know, I'm always running and being in California, I think we're very lucky. We have a lot of really close mountains that we can go and, and summit. So, you know, this summer I had a race before this that was all flat road. But as soon as that race ended, I just put myself in as many mountains and tried to summit to as many peaks as possible. So went and climbed Mount Whitney and did some back-to-back uh, Mount Baldy runs and, you know, and did a lot of um, training at night because the race itself starts at 6 p.m. So you know you're going to have to go through two nights, at least for my pacing. I was going to have to go through two nights. And so I, I needed to feel comfortable, um, you know, with, with rocky terrain, mountainous, you know, environments and doing that with a headlamp. So yeah, so that's what I did. 
Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. That requires extra gear. Uh, I mean, trail running obviously requires extra gear, plus, you know, keeping more fuel on you potentially, but then also, so you had a headlamp. Was that like the big difference yeah. running at night? Well, yeah, you you absolutely need to have a headlamp. And, and with this race in particular, because of where you're running and the weather patterns that could potentially change, they have a required gear pack that you have to have with you at all times. So when you go to check in to get your race number, like let's say you go to your everyday 5K or marathon or whatever, and when you show up, they might ask to see your photo ID, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they have you sign a waiver and then they give you your bib, right? With this race, you show up and you have to prove that you have all of your required gear, including, you know, a certain size pack that carries so much water. You have to have two different light sources plus extra batteries, um, you know, an emergency blanket, certain layers of clothing, including waterproof pants and a waterproof jacket. There's just, uh, you have to carry your own utensils. When you go into the aid stations, you have to bring your own cup, your own bowl, your own spoon. Um, you're, there's just all this required gear that you have to hold. So it makes your pack extra heavy. And then when the weather pattern changes, they require that you carry additional layers for the cold weather. So we actually received an alert that yes, the, the weather pattern was getting worse and that we had to bring our cold pack with us too. So like beanies and extra gloves and extra layers. It's just, it, there was a lot that we had <laughs> to carry. So the, the headlamp was probably one of the lightest things. <laughs> <laughs> that was the least of your concern. It, it sounds was, like. Yeah. Yes. But um, it it was good that you had it and that they required it because they really do want for your success out there and, and being on the side of these mountain ranges, you know, they, they don't want to have to come and search and rescue for anybody. And, and the staff and, and the volunteers were just unbelievable. And the course was marked well. It was just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So did you have to ha get a special backpack for that or did you already have that from previous races? Well, I, I don't typically carry that much stuff on me. I mean, when you're running any of the mountainous races, you just have to make sure that whatever you carry is going to get you from aid station to aid station. And in a lot of these races, it can be anywhere from say six to 10 miles in between aid stations. So, so, you know, I'll carry a pretty heavy pack, but I don't need to carry all that much stuff. Just make sure I'm hydrated and have enough fuel. But with this one, because of the requirements, the pack needed to be much bigger. So I actually borrowed one from a friend. I looked into making some purchases, but with the other purchases that I had to make and traveling, you know, out of the country, I was just trying to keep the expenses down. So I was very lucky. Um, my friend Michelle let me borrow an orange mud adventure pack and it was amazing. It carried everything I needed, all the pockets. It was, you know, super fit, great to my body. It was just, it was the perfect, I had never even tried, you know, they say don't try anything new on race day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't follow that rule. <laughs> I had a brand new pack that I had never worn, not even in training once. And that's what I ran in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but I would be like really hesitant to make myself carry extra on training runs, you know, like I, no. I totally try to follow that rule. But I mean, there's a lot to carry. There's a lot to carry. And it, it would have been smart for me to pack it up ahead of time and, and train with it just to kind of get used to where everything is. Um, but you know, this, we'll just chalk this up to one of my bad decisions that ended up working out. So I got lucky. Boom. <laughs> How perfect is that? <laughs> there you go. I know. In this case, it worked out. Um, and so how did you train for this? Or I guess, how is this different? Because I know you've run a lot of road races, marathons. How is yes. an ultra 
because a lot of listeners are often curious, like transitioning right to the higher distance, whether it's like yeah, 5k to yeah. 10k. But how do you go from a marathon to an ultra? You know, for me, I I started running at a very young age. I mean, my dad would take me to these little races and I do, you know, the 50 yard dash and all this stuff. And, and then I did high school cross country. So running was natural for me. Um, I was just never very fast, but I really enjoyed what it did for my psyche, you know, just to like calm me down. And it was just one of those things where, I mean, for everybody, it was very therapeutic. You know, it was just, it was my time to focus on me. And when I ran my first marathon in 2006, it was the Orange County Marathon. And I crossed that finish line. It was incredible, but I never thought that it would take me to, you know, places like Europe. I think once you get running, you get to a point where you if you're goal oriented you either want to go faster or farther so people you know that start with 5k's and they're like okay maybe I could do a 10k and oh my gosh that half marathon they get to the marathon and after you do so many you're like okay I'm going to do Boston right or um, you know some other race that you need to qualify for and so I did that I qualified for Boston ran Boston and then I thought this whole running fast thing is for the birds it wasn't for me so I wanted to go farther Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I did after after running Boston, um, I set my sights on my first 50k, and that's only six miles more than a marathon. So it's 30. Um, a 50k is 31 miles. So it seemed like a pretty easy transition. You know what? Six more miles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is when you switch over to ultra, it's almost always off road. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, you do you need to focus on you know shoes that are going to be a little bit more um, acceptable for trail running. You know things that have more you know, grip, um, a little bit more protection over the foot. So you're not, you know, hurting your, your feet. Um, you have to focus more on foot care. I mean, you do have to in road running too, but it's just so different when you're running trail, um, you know, making sure that you have appropriate packs so that you can carry all of the things that you might need, you know, fuel, hydration. Um, you know, if you're going to need to use the restroom in the bushes, you have to think about what you're going to have to carry for that. Um, you know, sunscreen or bug spray or, you know, just little things that you might need running in the trail. I always have my phone on me. Depending on where you're running, you might want to have a spot or something else so that, you know, in an emergency situation, people can find you. There's just there's just different things, but you can easily get into trail running. There's so many great, beautiful local small trails that you can do all the training you need in a very controlled environment um, and feel safe doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I just I think that anybody that wants to make that tra- transition from marathon into ultra you know, just remember that everybody's journey is different and there's no pressure to go from, you know, marathon to 100 mile, you know, do what you feel is comfortable until you feel like you're ready to go to the next stage, because really, it it's it's your journey. And you, you don't need to judge it against anybody else's. Yeah. And I, I've done one ultra. And I, I was totally nodding my head when you said that oftentimes going from the big thing is that most ultras are trail. And yeah, I did not realize that. I think my first and only ultra was my first trail run. Like I did not, I was just like, okay, it's six more miles. (laughs) Like it wasn't like, this is my first trail race. This was like, it's my first time running on a trail. But so that as soon as I kind of realized that like a mile or two into the race, because I saw people walking up one of the steeper hills, everyone was everyone and it wasn't like the people that were like way ahead you know the leaders and they're just walking and not just walking you know they're obviously hiking but I was like 
I don't know where I am or what I'm doing, but everyone seems super cool. Like it was like, that's that's the other part about ultra running is that it's just a more mellow speed. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you walk, you walk anything uphill. You want to save your legs. You want to preserve your energy because you're going a lot farther. So when you hit that uphill, you just, you fine tune that power hike. You put your head down and you just, you just grunt up it and you just make it. I told somebody the other day, I said, come on. They were talking about getting an ultra. I said, come on, come on, come on the sexy pace. Because that's really what it is. It's just like, you know what? I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to massage these hills. I'm going to look up at the view. I'm going to enjoy the the scenery. And I just think, you know, with the, with the marathoning, it's just such a different vibe. It's like, go fast, go fast, go fast, get to the finish. And you feel guilty when you walk. Right. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't even feel guilty when you're walking in a marathon either, but there's so much of it that you do. You're like, Oh, I just have to pound through these miles in ultra. It's really so much different. It's, it's like, you just kind of chill a little bit more and you want to just make it through. It's about who can, who can suffer the longest Mm -hmm. really. And if you, if you can be good at suffering for a long period of time and just kind of slowing it down and easing back, you'll do great. Yeah, it is so slow and steady. And the vibe is so much less competitive, even though it seems so much harder when you're kind of doing these longer distances. I did one, I did the half marathon in Big Bear too. That was a trail. And I remember being behind someone. It was, I think, single track. So it was a guy. I came up behind a guy. He heard me. And he looked like a very fit guy. And he just says, hey, how's it going? He said, let me know if you want to pass. Yep. Like he was let like, let me know like, when you're ready. Yeah. And that exactly. is, that is, it's so cool. And I was like, no, like I, I'm dying <laughs> here. No, thing. I'm like, I'm good. Um, but I was so shocked by that because in road races too, you know, when there's slow people in the front of the pack and you're just like, ah, oh, like sighing yeah, loudly, trying to get around yeah. them. Like, like people are so the opposite, like so impatient. And, and this guy was just like, no ego, just like, Hey, let me know if you want to pass. And I'm just like, this is awesome. I just think it is the people are very awesome and very willing to kind of help you out and be friendly. I really love kind of the culture of it. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, if you see somebody on the side of the trail and they look like they're suffering or they're taking a moment, you always ask, are you okay? Do you need something? Like I easily would take my pack off and give somebody some water or help them out. You know, I mean, still making sure that I have enough to get myself to where I need to go, but you typically carry so much extra with you that you can easily help somebody out. Like at this last race that I was running, I was just so nauseous at one one point and I was just having a really rough time and I was taking breaks and, and I was having some tears and, you know, having my moment. And this guy comes up behind, by, behind me, he and a buddy. And, and he's like, come on, let's just, let's just walk together for a minute. And he, you know, so he slowed down his pace just to kind of help me through, work through some stuff. And he goes, you know, I have some anti-nausea pills. Do you, do you want to take one? And I mean, I had brought Tums and, you know, things like that, but I didn't have anything that was like anti-nausea. And so here I am, total stranger, taking a pill. <laughs> in another country you know yeah everything your mother told you not to do yes (laughs) exactly and so you know i did i i took the pill he he went on his merry way and within probably an hour my nausea was gone for that moment you know i mean it did it did resurface later on but it was just it's just the kindness of others and the caring of people because really when you're out there it's almost like i've explained it like you're going to war especially when you're at the hundred mile distance, because 
there's just so much like think of the things that can go wrong in marathoning, right? You have 26.2 mm-hmm. miles and so much can go right, but so much can go wrong. And with a hundred miles, you know, you multiply it times four. And so it's just, there's so much that can happen. And really when you're out there, you want to see everybody cross the line. It's, mm-hmm. it's this weird, like kind of brotherhood that happens where you, you would do whatever it took to in sure that somebody else could cross the line also. Um, and I just made some beautiful friendships with people out there and the camaraderie. And, you know, there were people from all around the world, people that I couldn't even speak the same language with, but you come over a peak and you look down and the views were so incredible and it didn't matter. Like the language of, you know, the awe, you know, the awestruck and your jaw dropping is the same for everybody. You know, you look and everybody's like, ah, you know? And so it was just, it's so neat. And it is, it's just a different vibe and it's just a different animal. Not that marathon is not great because mm-hmm. I've seen and felt the love from so many people there. It's just different. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I've just had like the smallest taste because it is very intimidating those long distances, but I I'm a fan. I think it's awesome. It's still, it's still very, it's still very intimidating, <laughs> even if I can walk. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, the most intimidating, this is part of why I wanted to talk to you because I had seen the Barkley documentary and then later saw on your Instagram and I was like, wait, what? Because that race is like part, I don't know, like suspense horror movie documentary there's so much I was so into it I've told so many people about it and then when I saw that you were actually there I was like I need to hear what the heck this is about because it feels (laughs) like it is some kind of story that isn't real it it just I, I feel that way too um the I think as you run it doesn't matter what distance what pace everybody has these like dream races, right? Everybody has this thing that's like the pie in the sky race that you hope to get to someday, you know, in some exotic location or something that's really hard to get into because the lottery, so many people are entering it or they're qualifying. Everybody has something, right? Mm-hmm. And the Barkley is just, it's one of those mystery races. It's been around for a really long time. It um, It's super difficult to, you know, figure out even how to get into, let alone get mm-hmm. into it. And then once you're there, the chances of you finishing are very slim. I mean, it's just most years there's not even a finisher. Yeah, race. not even and one finisher. Not not yeah. even one finisher. And um, nobody really knows how long it is. The course changes, um, you know, periodically, and it's it's supposedly a hundred miles, so five twenty ish mile loops. But nobody really knows for sure because <laughs> you are not allowed to wear any kind of GPS or tracking device, so you don't even really know. Um, and so you know the bark itself is that's my pine sky race that is the race that i want to do at some point there's never been a female finisher mm-hmm. and so you know when i started hearing about it years ago i just kind of laughed it off i'm like oh you people are funny because people kept saying you know when they hear me ultra running oh the barkley the barkley well, you guys are done like seriously people that that i love and that love me they clearly don't really love me that much because they want to see me die that's kind of <laughs> how i felt like they want to see me die and as I have run more and more trail runs and more and more distances and conquered some of these really difficult races the bark 
quickly all of a sudden became more and more possible for me. It just like in my mind. And all of a sudden one day it just clicked. I'm like, I think I can do it. And I, I don't know what it was or how that happened. But then once that became possible, then I thought, okay, I need to get out there and I need to start seeing what this is all about. And they have something called the fall classic, the Barkley fall classic, which is a 50 K and it happens once a year. And, um, it's actually not this weekend, but next weekend out, um, in Tennessee. And it's one loop of the Barkley course. It's mm-hmm. loosely marked. There are aid stations. You're not collecting pages of a book or anything like you do. And in, in the normal, you wear, you wear a bib and they, they punch your bib when you hit certain checkpoints. Um, but it gives you a taste. Like you get to go on some of these trails that you see in the documentary and you get to see and experience part you know it's, it's like the baby it's the baby version mm-hmm. it's like saying okay I want to run the Boston Marathon and they're going to let me go run a 5k the, fi- the final 5k into the finish so I can experience what it feels like it's like that right mm-hmm. so it's like the victory lap almost and so I got in last year and I went and did the Barkley Fall Classic and I finished and um and I, I wanted to go because I thought one of two things is, is going to happen I'm either going to get there and it's going to be like oh hell no I am not going to try to get into the Barclays mm-hmm. or I was going to get there and it was going to be like, okay, game on. Right. And it was totally came on. I got there and I just felt like something was pulling me to that place. And so, um, after running it, I just thought, this is it. Everything I do from here on out is going to be with the sole purpose of trying to get into that race. Mm-hmm. Not, not the baby bark, not the fall classic, but like, I want the real deal. I want to get into that race. And so uh, next weekend, I'll be headed back out to Tennessee again to run the Barkley Fall Classic for my second time. And um, and I'll, you know, do what I can to submit and try to get into the race. But it'll probably take me, you know, five years to even get accepted. Yeah. Can, I don't know can anyone, um, is it just like, can anyone register for the Fall Classic or, uh, you know, up to oh, a yeah. point? So anyone can do oh, that? Anybody. Okay. Anybody can. And if you go to ultra sign up, I mean, it's, you know, registration is obviously, obviously closed, but when registration opens, it sells out within like minutes. I was waitlisted. I didn't, I was there on the computer at the moment, at the minute, at the second that registration opened and I didn't get in. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was the, you know, unlock of the click, I guess. And so I was waitlisted, but then I did come off the waitlist. So, um, so I will be going. Um, but yeah, I mean, anybody, you, you don't even need to have run anything at all and you could just show you up there, just... but I'll tell you what. Uh, you yeah you want to be uh trained on trail running and technical trail running and in muddy conditions and you will end up completely my legs were tore to pieces i mean i was ripped to shreds from the briars and um you wear big gloves because you were like bushwhacking through there it is, it is gnarly mm-hmm. how do you get into <laughs> for, if someone doesn't know so what how do you get into the barkley marathons um, you don't talk about that. Okay. And if you go on the website, you won't see anything about it. Um, it's a very, um, uh, different type of process. And, um, I really can't talk about it. Yes. <laughs> I know. And that's, yeah. a, that's the point I wanted to make. I don't think most people realize that, that you need to, you know, get there, write a letter, make a call do an email like it's a lot more than a different race and the selection yeah, process is kind of not 
I mean, it's basically, I, I don't it, even know. What I, mean, <laughs> I don't even, I won't even know if I'm doing it right until I get invited. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I could spend five years trying to get in and the entire time be doing it completely wrong mm -hmm. and have wasted five years. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I'm just going to keep trying. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep trying. Yep. And I feel like this, along with everything else, is part of the allure of it, is that it is so hard to even get there that someone that shows up for this super hard race yeah. is, has done, has really made an effort to be able to show up. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, when you look at the, the list of people that are, are invited and that start the race, I mean, it's, it's not... Um, it's not somebody that's just started running, mm -hmm. you know, last weekend and that, you know, ran the first 5k. I mean, it's, um, it's a serious, it's a serious race and you have to be prepared to put yourself in, in survival mode because, um, you really are going into some dangerous territory and it's no joke and you can't, you can't take it as just a lighthearted run. I mean, it needs to be treated with the utmost respect um, and, um, it's just to, to even get there and take the start line is such a huge honor that, um, you know, I, I just can't wait. I, I know at some point, I just know it. I know I'll get there at some point. I just don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm committed to working my way there as long as it takes. Yeah, for sure. I love it. And it's just, it is such an exciting journey. And like I said, after watching the documentary, which I recommended that everyone watch, um, I, I just think it makes you, it's just very exciting. And to think that this is real, that these are, you know, people that are being handpicked to do this very challenging race, you know, is just very, very yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, um, <laughs> I, I think about it too sometimes and I'm like, it's so stupid. <laughs> Why it's epic. If it is amazing, <laughs> it is really amazing. And I, I do think, you know, like if and when you're picked, you are picked because there is this acknowledgement of your ability to do yeah. it. You know, right. He, right. that's what he's doing. So it is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm just going to stay excited and keep trying until I, you know, until I make it. For sure. I love it. This is so exciting. Um, and I know too, then running ultras, I mean, it's hard for someone to balance training for a marathon or half marathon with work and family and to kind of take it up a notch. Obviously you're saying that you're running night, night runs, ultra distance yeah. training. How do you maintain that? How do you work that into your schedule? Um, you know, I, for one, it takes a, a family that's, understanding um to a certain point they get they, they get annoyed i'm not gonna lie i mean it gets excessive more than more than at times but um you know big goals require a big commitment and um commitment is what i have and i think that when it gets to that point you just have to decide how bad do i want it and when you decide that there are sacrifices that need to be made so there are things that are missed like you might miss that get together or that party with your friend, or you might miss out on sleep and have to pull an all nighter one night. But you know, there are times when I will leave the house after my daughter goes to bed and I will pull an all nighter and train through the evening hours 
come back in time to, to be able to wake up with her and get her off to school. Um, and then, you know, do like a, a short morning power nap, maybe an hour or two hours before logging in and starting my workday. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and sure, that makes for a really uneasy, hard day that day. But in the sake of training, I mean, that's just what has to be done. And when you're running some of these races where you're going to be up overnight, you know, having to manage being sleep deprived is, is also something that you're going to have to deal with. And so that's also part of part of the training. Um, you know, there might be at a party or somewhere and I pack my bag full of stuff. And then as soon as the party's over, I just throw on my running clothes and I run home from wherever I was. You know, it, your family drives home, but then you, you run home from it. So um, and it also often means being up super early in the morning and out of the house at maybe 4 a.m. to hit log some miles to get back before the family wakes up. So, you know, you try not to impact the family as much as possible, but, you know, sometimes that doesn't always work out. Um, you try to do some hikes with the family because even even doing the slower distance stuff, um, you know, just being out there and just walking out in, you know, on the trail is helpful because you're not always going to be going a fast pace. Sometimes you're going to be tired and exhausted or sleepy and you're just going to be doing your distance at a crawl. And so that's, that's fine too. Um, but it's just, it's finding those little openings and when you're too tired, not giving into that and saying, you know what, I have to be dedicated to the consistency of the training and I have to get myself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if it's a race, it's going to be hot, making sure that you're getting the heat training in. So if you can't get heat outside, cause it's not hot enough for you, making time to go to the gym and getting your time in the sauna and working out and there and so it's just it's finding it's finding those little openings and seizing those moments instead of sitting back yeah for sure and it does make you mentally tougher when you know that you had to kind of work around something that potentially was stressful in a different aspect you know with the scheduling or work or you know anything else you have going on and there's going to be situations like that in a race where it's problem solving it is i i always say that you know the the decisions you make when things are going wrong are what are going to define the race going right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all too easy when things are just going, you know, all the shit, you know, to say, this is it. I'm done. You know, I have this checkpoint here. I can take my bib off and I can call it quit. But if you've got time left on the clock and you still have a body that, you know, that's able to move, then you just, you suck it up, you know, wipe away those tears or keep crying, but keep moving and, and work your way through it because the, rewards are so great at the finish. So great. For sure. I love that. And I actually, um, haven't heard, I love that you mentioned the run home from a dinner or something. I've never heard that. And that is a really good kind of sneaky way to get in miles. Obviously you wake up extra early. You have to work around what you have, or, you know, yep. moms can work around school or nap time, or, you know, you have to do work with what you got. But I, I like that idea. I've never heard that. So I have to remember that when people are asking for just kind of like, what other tips do you have? I love that. Oh yeah. My, my daughter was in a dance recital this summer and and so I coordinated that when my son and I drove together, he's 23, so he's okay to drive. <laughs> we drove together to the recital, and then as soon as it was over, I was like, okay, peace out, boy scout, I'm headed out. So he drove the car home and, you know, took her back, and then I just, you know, then I just ran home. So, you know, you just, you, you fit in where you can get in, and you can be re- really creative when you set the goal. But the, the truth is, is that when you decide you want to do the distance, whatever distance it is, I mean, if marathons are distance of choice. I'm not trying to push ultra on anybody. It has mm-hmm. to be your choice, but whatever it is, 
you just have to decide that that's what you want. You can't take no for an answer, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing too, is I see people going, Oh my gosh, you know, I could never do that. Well, you, you can't because you haven't wrapped your head around it yet. And once you wrap your head around it, no is just not part of the vocabulary. It's just not, you have to get yourself in this mindset that this is where I'm going and I will find a way. And if I'm not finding a way, then clearly I didn't want it that bad. And, and that, that's the hard truth. And so at the end of the day, if you're not getting to that goal that you have, you really need to take a hard look in the mirror and decide, is that really what you wanted? And maybe you kind of wanted it, but you didn't really want it. And when you really want it, you'll make it happen. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. And I have, I've had to do the little hacks for marathon, half marathon training because I just know I get bored at mile 60. Yes. So I'm going to cut it. Yeah. So I've had to do little things for myself to, to make myself run, you know, plan out where my route is. I used to do a lot. I used to run out. Like I used to run away from my house, like 16 miles straight, yeah. because if I did a turnaround, I knew I would end up just turning around earlier or just like walking it back. And so I would run away and then I would call for someone to come get me and take me home. Right. So it was just, well, you know, with, I had Uber, to do. Look, with Uber or Lyft, you and can now, have somebody pick you up and take you to where you need to go and then run. Home. <laughs> exactly. No, but yeah, that's like, I, I've thought about that too. Cause I'm like, I don't want them to bring me home. Cause I'm so disgusting at that point, but take me to somewhere where I have no choice, but yeah, to run back. It. And I have that's had to it. do that because yeah, like I will start, I know I'll cut it short. I'll start walking is like, I need to make myself do this. And I know that I tend to make an excuse when I am out there. So this is what I'm doing. And I like just right. having to run home or kind of work around what you have. Or also, like you were saying, kind of um, taking walks or hikes with your family. I will do a couple miles, then catch up with a friend who just wants to do a couple miles. So it's not like yes. I'm cutting. I'm not running less just because they aren't training for what I'm training for. I'm just going to add it on to what I'm doing. Right, right, right. Well. I, I found that, you know, some of the online groups too, you know, you can join a lot of different run clubs online and, you know, just throwing it out there. Like sometimes I've posted, Hey, I'm looking to run 50 miles this weekend. I'm not necessarily looking for somebody to run 50 miles with me. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I know that I'm going to be looping this course of, you know, five out, five back and just doing these 10 mile loops, I can let people know I'll be doing them around this pace. So if anybody wants to do a 10 mile loop with me and it's been so great because then the conversation changes, um, you know, it's fresh perspective. Um, it's, somebody new coming out. It's just, you know, and so you can, you can utilize other people to come out and help you get a lot of those training runs in and still keep it exciting and fresh because now you have new conversation. Yes. I, yeah, I love that. And I've actually, and I've done that the other way too, where my friend was running 30 miles and I just met up with her for the last 10. But I think sometimes we have that automatic, like I can't run 30 miles. Okay. See you tomorrow instead of right? well, what can I meet up with you for? That's super well, helpful. And when I when I first posted, there was this one um, group that I was in, and I posted uh, that I was running 50 miles, and would anybody be willing to run with me? It was like cricket, like nobody responded, <laughs> and I started feeling really paranoid. And so a friend private messaged me, and she goes, "You know that nobody's going to want to run with you because they're intimidated by you." And I was like, "What?" I'm like the most non-intimidating person you could ever meet. I'm just like, come on, just come. I, I want to meet people and talk to people. And and so then my next post was like, you guys are completely discriminating against me because <laughs> you think that I run too far for you. But 
I'm just asking for people to meet up in little bits of time and like whatever pace you're going, because I just need time on feet. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if your pace is 10 minute mile, 15 minute mile. It doesn't matter. I just, I need to hit this distance and I just come along with me for the journey. Right. And all of a sudden I had a bunch of people, you know, responding. And I think that's the other part too, when you're looking for training partners, being very realistic when you post something about what you're looking for. Like I need 10 miles at an eight minute pace. Then I need to say, I'm looking for somebody to run with me 10 miles in an eight minute pace. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking to do something like, Hey, any pace goes, then, then be realistic and honest about that. And I think you'll find a lot of people willing to come run with you. Yeah. I love that. Where do you, um, do you have message boards? Do you use meetup? How do you find people like this? Well, so I, I belong to MRTC, you know, moms run this town, a few of those groups. Um, and then because I work for Roadrunner Sports, you know, I have a lot of people that I've met through there. Um, and so, and then you kind of find your core group that you end up running with on a regular basis just because they live close and they are like-minded and similar pace. But when I'm trying to do the longer stuff, I'll just usually post it in like OC trailies or I'll post it in the moms run group and just kind of like, you know, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, but believe it or not for the, the races that I run, I'm still not, people think that I'm running so far all the time. I still only do about 200 miles a month. Mm -hmm. So like 50 miles a week. Which, I mean, that's not that crazy. Shorter distance during the week and maybe some long runs on the weekend. Are you doing back-to-back -back long runs? Is that what kind of gives you the time on your Yeah, I'll do I'll do back-to-back -back long runs, but it also depends where my race is in terms of, um, you know, the weekend. So there's still, it's just like marathon training where there's build up, the taper back, build up, taper back. Um, and then there's a peak and then you taper back from that. So it's the same, you're just running more. Mm -hmm. And I know you just got back from a race, so it might be too soon. <laughs> uh, but what do you have next <laughs> on the agenda? Well, I um so next weekend, I'll be headed out to Tennessee for the Barkley Fall Classic. Um, and after that, I actually don't don't really have anything on calendar. Um, the race lotteries for some of the races that I want to try to run next year. Uh, um, haven't opened yet and so you know kind of your your next year schedule takes shape near the end mm -hmm. of the year when the lotteries you know come out so um i'll just be taking some time to to rest and just casually you know get some beautiful trail time in and, and it'll be nice to not have to focus on hitting a certain distance at a certain time and um yeah I'm, I, i'll be getting some time in the gym and focus a little bit more on core strength and um like I said, I, I want to get into the Barclays. So I'll be doing some things that will help with that, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of, um, you know, working with a compass and mountaineering and, and those types of things. So, yeah, which that'll I, be it. I don't even know. I don't even want to get into that. I don't even know if someone tells me to go north on a street to the fact that you have to. I just uh, girl, <laughs> listen, I get lost. It's the biggest joke with anybody that knows me. Do not show me a map. Tell me right. <laughs> Right, left. right. Do not tell me north, south, but do not. And so everybody knows that that's the biggest joke because you have to be good at direction, mm -hmm. and I'm not. And so I'm I'm taking my comfort zone and I'm like throwing it in the trash by wanting to do the bar loop because it is so far out of what I am good at that there's just no, no reason for me to even go for it. But because I'm not good at it, and because I know it's so not me, I have to do it. Yeah. 
have to do it. <laughs> but who so knows? I will train to, and make myself ready. Yeah, like in another time period, though, maybe you would have been good at this. Like we haven't needed to be good at it, you know. I That's think we true. like all That's would true. have found our way home if we needed to. But since we well, don't, yeah. yeah, it's just we're not trained to do that. So it is potentially might click and you'll be like, I am awesome yeah. at this. I just think that that's the biggest problem with with people in general today is that we we don't give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We don't believe things are possible. Um, and I don't know why it, it's that way for us. But, you know, the moment you believe something's possible for you is the moment you start putting plans into action mm-hmm. to act, to get there. And, um, you know, I've blown myself away. I mean, I say all the time, like, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just an everyday housewife from Mission VA Health. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm married. I have two kids. I work. I train. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. I'm just like everybody else. The only difference is I don't take no for an answer. When I want something, that becomes what I want. And nobody is, is going to tell me I can't get there. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Not even myself. I might have moments of doubt, but I'm still I'm still pounding away trying to get there. Yes, I love that. And I, I think it is so awesome because oftentimes we are the ones that tell ourselves we can't more than anyone else. And that's the worst. I would not treat my best friend as bad as I treat myself in my own head sometimes. Yeah. Seriously, the things we say to ourselves are just awful and ugly and and horrible, right? And I think, man, I would never look in the mirror and tell my friend that she looks the way I'm telling myself I look right now or, you know? And so it is, it's a lot of reprogramming, constantly reprogramming of what we're, we're saying internally to push ourselves to those levels. But Ultimately, at the end of the day, you are your greatest supporter and you are also your, you know, your worst enemy. And so you have to choose, you know, which side you're going to take for your own success. I mean, are you going to be building yourself up or are you going to be tearing yourself down? Because other people can help you along the way, but you're the one that has to move your body. You're the one that has to, you know, get out of bed. You're the one that has to suit up. You're the one that has to finish those miles and decide not to turn around. Down, but also be forgiving with yourself because not everybody has an on day and it's okay sometimes to cut your run short and it's okay to sometimes hit snooze on that alarm but it's about being consistent and consistently moving yourself forward towards that goal that's really going to get you there yes amen i am so all about consistency i always joke that's like the <laughs> only thing i have going for me which right? which is awesome oh with distance running though like this is the, one, the, the thing that it works with yes it makes all the difference all the difference. I love it. Um, to switch gears to actually gear, what is your go-to running shoe? And also with that, do you have a different running shoe for trail versus road races? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so I am 100% a Hoka girl. I love my Hoka's. Um, I do run in many other brands too, but Hoka is my go-to for almost everything long. Um, in trail running, I ran UTMB in the Torrent. It's one of their newer trail shoes, super grippy, super light. Um, I love the feel of the shoe. And the Speed Goat is also another amazing trail shoe that Hoka puts out. Love both of those shoes. I just, I can't say enough good things about them. Um, and then for road running, um, the Clifton and the Bondi have both been very good to me, but I've run in many other Hoka shoes that have been awesome. Um, they just offer more cushion. And I really like that for the long distances that, that I'm running. Um, I hard, I hardly ever blister. So I, I, you know, I'm thankful to my shoes for supporting my feet and doing that. Um, but for cross training and stuff, I, I love uh, running in Asics. 
Olympics and Brooks. Um, I have uh, a lot of different pair that I'll wear because you don't want to get caught up in wearing the same shoe all the time. You, you need to give your shoes a break. They need to have time for the, the foam and everything, the padding on the inside to go back to their, their normal um, spot. But also shoes um, work out different parts of the leg just by design and so I do like to trade out my shoes so that I am working out different muscles and, and giving different parts of my body a break so you you should have a few different shoes that you rotate through but like I said Hoka is my main shoe brand mm-hmm. of choice and what yeah. about running gear outside of shoes what is like your one thing you can't run without oh chapstick I'll tell you what I cannot have my lips getting dry it will freak me out I have like so many tubes of chapstick it's ridiculous. So that, um, and then in terms of hydration packs, I will typically use Nathan and orange mud are my two brands of choice. My two go-tos. I love yeah. it. That is so funny. I would never have said chapstick, but I always have chapstick <laughs> with me always. And when I like wash my, I normally just keep it in my belt, my running belt. But when I take it out yeah. every now and then I have forgotten to put it back in, but, and I'll go like reach for it 10 times in like a whole oh, run. Yeah. I, no, just keep... look, <laughs> that is... I will be without water before <laughs> I'm without chapstick. No joke. Like, like I will freak out and ask anybody that's ever crewed or paced me at any race. There needs to be a tube of chapstick in every single hydration pack, every single water bottle. I'll have it in my pocket multiple spots it is like ocd crazy i need my chapstick but it it's it's a necessity <laughs> that, it's just so funny that you said that and i'm like yes like i am obsessed with it as well and i try to make sure too that i have it with spf in it because yes. i don't put like sunblock over my lips but that's really important right we want to make sure we get every yeah. little spot but yes i oh, yeah. it wouldn't have occurred to me but you were saying it and i was like yes like <laughs> i cannot I live without that <laughs> that is funny um do you listen to music or books or podcasts or anything while you're training no <laughs> uh-uh I will bring music with me on my long distance races. Um, and typically I only put in music when I'm just mentally in a really bad spot. So mm-hmm. generally speaking, I will not have music. Um, I didn't use any at all during UTMB. Um, I did use some music during parts of, I ran a, a race this summer called the last annual of all state. It's a 500 K. Um, and I, you know, that took me like over four days to run. So I did use music in, in certain parts of it, but not very, not as often as you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, I like to hear my surroundings. I want to hear the sound of my feet against the ground. And I want to hear the sound of my breath. I want to hear the birds. You know, I want to hear what's wrestling around in the bushes and, um, you know, be very aware of what's going on around me. And that to me is so much more therapeutic than, than any, um, you know, any, song that I could put on so generally no but I do keep it as my like go-to in moments of darkness Mm -hmm. I love that and what is your victory lap or post-race meal of choice oh my gosh um all the food can I I just (laughs) put it in like one big (laughs) you're just like yes Uh yes please (laughs) uh I generally crave like a really big burger or steak like I want red meat afterwards and I'm a super junk food junkie I love donuts and cake and cookies and um, all of it. So I will celebrate big and I will eat a lot. I'm just starving. I'm usually so 
both starving. And then I have to, you know, bring it back in. Okay. That's been enough celebrating, but yeah, it's, it's usually a big fat burger or a steak without mm-hmm. a doubt. Like just give me the red meat. And then I want the taco lava sundae also after. <laughs> that sounds so. like perfection. <laughs> <laughs> All the food. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so how can we follow along with the fall classic and everything else you have coming up? Uh, um, well, I am on Instagram and I'm run coach K run on Instagram. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. I post a little bit more regularly on my Instagram, but, um, you know, Andrea Casella Coyman on Facebook. And then I do have my website. Um, if you're interested in, you know, coaching or reaching out and asking me some questions, it's run coach K run.com. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to, you know, answer questions and, um, I love following along other people's journeys too so look forward to seeing you guys on some social media for sure and for the coaching do you coach um like people that are looking to do ultras or any distance do you have anything for the most part um so i would say my sweet spot is people that are looking to run their first ever uh a marathon would be great i can definitely help you with that um people that are looking to improve some marathon timing and definitely for anybody that's looking to dip over into the ultra world um by all means you know that is something i'd love to help you with because we're not only going to work on training your body but we're gonna we're gonna work on transitioning that mind too to get you in a spot where you're prepared to take on the the demons that are going to come come out at you during those types of distance races because it is definitely a journey that takes you way down deep into the core of your soul and you're going to be looking at a lot of parts of yourself and we need to work on getting you there so Love that. Love that. You can follow her at run coach K run on Instagram. And I will also put a link in the show notes to her website, run coach K run.com. And now it's time for the awards. Today's awards are shout outs to some of the gear that we mentioned on the interview today. I'm putting a link to my favorite SPF chapstick. I love Sunbum. Someone gave it to me like a multi-pack with all of the different flavors or I don't know, versions, whatever you want to call it. It's not, it shouldn't be a flavor because I'm not eating it, but it is kind of a flavor because they are all, I think, seem like they're food based. Anyways, they are awesome SPF chapsticks that I use for running and also for living. So I'm a fan of those. I'll put a link in the show notes to that, as well as Andrea's favorite Hoka running shoes, in case you are interested in checking those out. Make sure you go to runeatrepeat.com so that you can get more information on all of those favorites, plus my race discounts, the half marathon training plan. And if you have a question for me, send it on over. You can email runeatrepeat at gmail.com or call the voicemail. That number is 562-888-1644 and tag at runeatrepeat on Instagram and let me know what you're doing right now. Take a mid-run selfie or a run fee, as it is sometimes called. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great run. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com.
You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at Run Eat Repeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash run eat repeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.